I don't know about you, I um, write with the idea that one day, like an American president, my scribblings will be in some <laughs> library as like a testament to like... That was a scornful you know. laugh. I didn't mean it to sound so scornful <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> as if, mate. Yeah, yeah. I'm, look, I'm sure you do the yeah. same, right? Yeah, right. Uh, I, I think it'd be more um, in a neurological lab, people looking at how someone who was uh, held hostage by the alphabet uh, actually tried to <laughs> you, recover through You want to donate this to science. Yeah. <laughs> this is Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoom. Talking to interesting people about that interesting thing that interests them. Welcome back to another episode of Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoof. It's me, Dan DeBoof. Hope you're doing well. This is my podcast where I get to talk to someone who I find interesting, a creative person, and find out what their obsession is. That one thing they go absolutely bonkers over and are dying to talk about if only someone would give them the chance. Well, I say, here's your chance. Sit down with me and for half an hour... You've got free reign to just tell me everything about your obsession. And I'm really excited about this week's guest, David Astle. You might know him from the TV show Letters and Numbers, or you might have seen him do it at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. You might have seen his many books, including uh, Puzzled, Clutopia, Or, like me, you might do his cryptic crossword every Friday in The Age uh, or the Sydney Morning Herald if you're in Sydney. They are incredibly difficult. DA is his um, crossword-making, cruciverbalizing alias. I was really excited uh, to get to go over to his place um, and pick his brain about his obsession. I'm glad it was a word-related one because David really lights up when he's talking about words. But it's a specific one, journaling. David has been keeping journals since he was... Well, he talks about it in the podcast, but for decades he's been keeping journals. He had them all arranged on a table when I came over to his house. We looked through some of them. I even brought along a couple of my journals that I've kept on holidays I've been on and stuff and showed him. And uh, that was a really, I'm going to say beautiful moment of him being like, there's another weirdo like me out there, Um, which comes a bit further into the podcast. But if you want to hear someone completely nerd out, about words and the meaning of words and the importance of them, this is going to be a great half hour for you. David also does evenings on ABC Radio in Melbourne. Um, This is now my second ABC Radio guest in a row. I promise I don't have a deal with them. And you can follow him on Twitter as well. He's at Don't Attempt, which the word nerds of you will have realized is his initials, D-A, and also advice for his crosswords as well. But I'll be attempting it this Friday, DA. Uh, anyway, here we go. David Astle is my guest this week on Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoof. Let's learn about his journals.
<laughs> what are you obsessed with? I am totally obsessed with keeping journals. Yeah. Now, I'm here in your house. Uh, first of all, thank you. No worries. And I'm pleased to know that as I walked in, there's just this pile of battered old books. It felt like I'd come into some sort of wizard's chambers or something, you know? You'd be uh, crestfallen if you didn't find yeah. that, I'd imagine. You know? um, especially given like your line of work with you know, crosswords and writing and all that. If I'd come into here and there'd been no, not a book around, I would have questioned whether I was in the right house. (laughs) Well, we did have the Marie Kondo bulldozer come through a couple of months ago, and that uh, culled that book wall behind you. So that's actually a very tidy and uh, stripped-down version of what has been. And um, you don't normally see, you know, some 60 battered old school books and um, kind of day books stacked up on the table either so they, they will be tidily put away down in the uh, word cave down the back oh so there's a there's a you've got like a secret yeah chamber. but you know <laughs> it's you like get, your man cave. you've got to go down the pole to get there <laughs> um okay so we are here to talk about your diaries yeah i call them journals because diary sounds really i too much like um I, I suppose dear diary kind of thing yeah they are a lot more than a dear diary okay how so I reckon I've got this white noise. I know for a fact I've got this white noise that just charges through my head day in and day out. And really what these journals are, are a means of just siphoning off the tumult that you know seems to kind of uh, tyrannize the brain. How, how do you mean? What, like, what's going on in your head? I'll give you an example, and I know, I know this is a podcast, but, you know, I used to write without paragraphs, and yeah, I would okay. write, you know, six pages a day of a day where I essentially just went and got a, a pistachio gelato. But it's six pages <laughs> of intricate details or reveries or observations about street signs and anagrams, potential clues, story ideas, great character names, and it's all just written in this kind of... I mean, Diary of a Madman, which is that uh, Russian play, I, yeah. I felt as though it was a little bit of a, a biopic just uh, trying to trying to catch up with me. Well, when you opened that one just then, it reminded me of um, the back end of Ulysses, where it's just, you know, the, the famous book, which is, you know, all sorts of genres all mishmashed together, but it eventually just turns into just pure stream of consciousness, no punctuation, no paragraphs, just... As if someone had just been bashing the keyboard and just not stopped. I mean, that, I mean, that's how you're writing in here. I know. I. It was interesting when you set the uh, challenge about what am I obsessed with, and I came back with you saying journals. I went looking through um, the you know the whole archive of these. Not something I would do readily, and I kind of felt worried for my younger self. I felt as though he was someone if not in search of a, um, a purpose, then in search of a paragraph. And yeah. I mean, in search of an editor. <laughs> search of something. I, I kind of, it was manic. And I've developed and I've used, um, started to use paragraphs. I've started to use space. What you see in front of you is um, getting on, 30, it's probably over 30 years of journals, uh, a book for a year, and probably there's even more here than that. And uh, but it's been interesting just to see how cognitively or psychically I have changed in those three decades and and how I treat the journal. So do you reckon when it first started out? Actually, when when do you reckon you've the oldest one here? 
Well, I did do a couple of damp squibs uh, just starting things up when false I was... False starts. Yeah, false starts. <laughs> but I, I think in earnest, the first one is probably here, which is the uh, 83. Okay. That's when I um, worked on a... Um, I went overseas on a rugby trip. I was um, playing rugby uh, for a team in Sydney and was selected to go to the UK. Congratulations. So, yeah, thanks. And I thought, what well, this is... were you playing yeah, in? Yeah, I was a flanker. Oh, um, cool. That explains the ears. Yeah. Um, in fact, a lot of people are always worried about my ears. Where did they come from? Uh, rugby. <laughs> Short answer. But the uh, when it comes to that uh, trip, I thought, oh, I should write a, uh, a journal. I did. I enjoyed it. I stuck with it. And then... Travel, of course, people, most people have travel journals when, you know, that's a, it's kind of a rite of passage. Yeah. And you do different things aside from gelato down the corner. But I, for me, the challenge, and I really enjoy this challenge, is trying to find the unique in every day as a reporter, as a, a chronicler. So when I came back to the mundane, I really took up that... Um, you know, I, I picked up the gauntlet of saying, you know what, just because it's another Tuesday afternoon I went to college or I worked at the bar doesn't mean it's, um, it's a homogenous Tuesday. So is it like a coping mechanism? Very much so. Yeah. And do you think that all the, this sort of torrent of, of inspiration in your head is maybe the secret to your success? Yeah, I'd like to think it was all inspiration, but a lot of it is just lint. And these are lint traps. And in a way, it's trying to get the lint out of the way to see oh. the true colours of the inspirations. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, a gelato is not inspiring. Um, I don't know. You've spoken about it a lot so using far. Using as an example, um, I like <laughs> the fact if you add C to gelato, you get Colgate, which is toothpaste which you know tries to prevent tooth decay from eating gelato. So, that's I'm not sure if that's lint or inspiration. But journal writing helps me identify that kind of stuff. It is important too to capture those sorts of things. So when you do, you know, connect those two things together, because one of the biggest things that I get as a creative person is that feeling of, what was that thing? What was that? Ah, that kind of moment. Does these serve that purpose or is it more like you'll go back over them and find things or? Yeah, there's a couple of post-it notes that uh, stick out of, some mm. and what they are, are when i writing a book that let's say something like clutopia which is the history of the crossword uh, i would go back through my journals looking for when i'm talking about particular crosswords uh, or if i have been involved in spelling bees or kind of weird linguistic projects i like to mark them because it's something that i can go back and write about more at length but when I bumped into Tony Wheeler, who's the uh, guy behind Lonely Planet, he's been a manic journal keeper for many years. He's been a traveler for many years. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he said to me, I can't believe that you don't keep um, an online journal. Because I did mention at one stage uh, in passing that I am a, a devoted journal keeper. He, he said to me afterwards that comment, and I said, "That's." he said, it's really easy to search for things. That would be heresy to me. Yeah. The whole idea of that flowing uh, uh, cursive script is really important too. Yeah, definitely. Well, there is something as well, like you even see it in that sort of Silicon Valley environment these days um, where it's like there's all these apps for productivity and, yeah, tagging everything and and Evernote and all these note-taking apps. But a lot of people still use a piece of paper and a pen and that's kind of I'm the same and it, 
I often tell myself it just helps me remember. It feels like I'm actually doing something. If you're just using a computer, it's almost like you're outsourcing the work. <laughs> Whereas if you are like at a piece of paper and you've got a pen, it, you almost go like, I'm doing it yeah, the same way Wordsworth did it. You know, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it right. They would see me now and go, oh, command C, command V. That's cheating, Dan. <laughs> Whereas, Wordsworth never did that. Yeah, exactly, right? That's trash. He had a, he had a woman to describe it, <laughs> transcribe it all. <laughs> There's a, a wonderful Arabic word, uh, Hafiz, H-A-F-I-Z, which are the uh, young Quran scholars who um, their task every day is to write um, another block of pages from the Quran by hand in Arabic, and that's their way of memorizing scripture. Mm. So I do think that having that discipline of converting the day into the flow of script and um, the challenge of articulation also really helps with not just distilling a day and helping to put it to bed in my subconscious, but also recalling a day and recalling details. It's been a real boon for memory too uh, i'm sure of it oh yeah i sometimes even when i write like you know in a diary or whatever i think to myself like this this is now guaranteed to live on you know like i'm actually actively writing this down because i you know i want this to be a part of like what i can like if you don't write it down it's impossible to read it in the diary but at least if you write it down you can the other the other really important part for me of diary keeping, journal keeping is I, I think it's really easy to be overcome by a sense of oblivion. You just, the news comes at you from all angles. Every other life around you seems more important the way media treats um, celebrities and politicians and dignitaries. Mm. And, and there's something that is quietly defiant about journal keeping that is really important uh, for me at least because I think the lives of those that um, I'm connected with really matter. My life matters, my children's life matters, my wife's life matters and uh, I just want to stand in a kind of token resistance against the flood of you are just a punter, just a ratepayer, mm. get out of the way, history's moving through. And uh, there's a lovely line from E.E. E. Cummings talking about um, that notion of leaving a trace behind once we've gone. And he said, um, the dent in the pillow, my love, where our heads lay and were. And I just think that dent in the pillow is what these journals represent. Well, I, I'm actually like, I'm friends with your son and mm. he said he can't wait. This is going to sound awful. He can't wait until you die so he can crack these things open and just live your whole life again. He's like, there's got to be gold in those things. You reckon? And I'll tell you what, <laughs> it's good to know that uh, over my dead body is the obvious response. Yeah, to, yeah, exactly. Which I should say to that. But I'm also thinking uh, he's going to be underwhelmed, I reckon. <laughs> Why? Because there's a lot of minutiae. Yeah, all right. You know, and who's... <laughs> we get I mean, it, Dad. You ate an ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think, yeah, th there might be a couple of little flecks of gold in the, uh, you know, the verbiage that he pans. But I tell you what, he's got to be patient. Have you got things like, you know, 
his birth or, you know, meeting your wife or these sorts of things? I do. And uh, what's really beautiful about uh, a lot of the uh, record that I have captured about those moments, particularly with um, uh, the two children, is uh, I have captured their early words and phrases and ways of thinking and seeing entirely through language. So they're almost like linguistic snapshots. So all I have to do is look at various pages where I've hoarded those comments and I can hear um, their logic and their way of seeing the world. And develop. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, you know, I remember my, my daughter saying to me uh, when the car wouldn't start, she goes, just call the uh, RSVP, Dad. <laughs> and I'm thinking that's really beautiful. That's yeah. a really, that's, that's empathic. Um, it also shows a slight dyslexia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, it's, and Finn, you know, that son you mentioned, he came up with the most uh, bizarre outbursts, including telling a, um, yelling at me pretty much in a tram once this uh, a fairly large woman got on with a fox style. Hey, Dad, look at that fat lady with the possum scarf on. <laughs> I look at that remark that's now captured somewhere in that journal and that whole trauma just comes flooding back. <laughs> As in the, the, the came after that remark. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think I might have, I might have touched off. Oh, man. Um, okay, so I'll, I, like I kind of try um, and keep track of, yeah, like what's going on in my life as well. I don't know about you. I um, write with the idea that one day, like an American president, my scribblings will be in some uh, library as like a testament to like... That was a scornful you know. laugh. I didn't mean it to sound so scornful <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> as if, mate. Yeah, yeah. I'm, look, I'm sure you do the yeah. same, right? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> when there's like the David Astle wing of the, the library and these will all be set there for people to leaf over. I, I think it'd be more um, in a neurological lab, people looking at how... Someone who was uh, held hostage by the alphabet uh, actually tried to recover through. <laughs> you want to donate this to science yeah, to be <laughs> vivisected. Forget the forget the grey matter. I think you need to look at this stuff. I just wanted to add to that idea of the uh, linguistic snapshot. Yeah. Uh, when my father died about um, five or six years ago, the first thing I did was I started to write down all his phrases mm. and all his favourite words. So even in uh, in, as a kind of requiem, I turn to language as a means of trying to retrieve his voice and way of seeing. Um, I mean, in the same way when I write, um, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, just the choice of expression, the choice of words that people go for, what phrases they lean on, the their vernacular, uh, their linguistic and grammatic quirks that is so important to a person's soul or a person's individualism and I, that that obsesses me yeah um how how do you find the time yeah it is a it is a time drag and um it's uh, to be honest i find the time because i can't not do it yeah all right so an hour a day or no not even i suppose it's um it's about a fool's cap a day and so that's a, a case of just sitting down and uh, you know probably 15 minutes 20 minutes but 
The other thing that has been interesting to see develop over the years, those 30 years that I mentioned, for the first, say, 10 years, it was just all my prose. And, um, and when I read a book, if I loved an expression in that book, I would copy it down. Mm. If I came across a word I didn't know, I would write it down and find out what it meant. So it was both a, a journal as much as a filter feeding of literature. Then in the next decade, what started to creep in was a lot more beer labels, tickets, programs, stubs, ephemera that sat alongside my prose. And in the last decade, so pretty much from you know 2007 till now, uh, they are as much scrapbooks as they are journals. And again, it's as a memory prompt, but also going back to that E.E. Cummings quote, it's this is what's happening um, in the eyes of the world mm. and what is deemed important versus or sitting alongside what um, I deem important or what is dear to me and to us in parallel. And it's interesting to look at, you know, as Frank Sinatra died, we were thinking of buying a cat. And yeah. I love yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. I, um, it's like when you go to a museum and they have like something from ancient Egypt, right? Like 5,000 years mm-hmm. ago. And it just says like ordinary household bowl. And I'm like, we all have an ordinary household bowl. <laughs> like in 5,000 years, yeah. could the thing that I'm eating my cereal out of go on to be in the 5,000, the Smithsonian of the future. Because why not? No one back in ancient, well, they probably even know what a museum was, but no one was sitting around going, oh, take care of the bowl, you know? And it's the same that I guess with things like whenever I'm on holidays, I try to keep a journal as well and Mm -hmm. I do paste anything I can find in. I've often gotten, I think better service from wait staff because I'm like, oh, can I get a business card and a copy of the menu, please? Like always, right? Hey, um, and I find it heartbreaking that, you know, um, things like tickets mm-hmm. are being slowly phased out. Like it's, to me, it's almost visceral when, you know, you, you're on your... Oh, see you later, Rome, and you go to get off the train and then it just captures that ticket and you go, what? No, no, I, wa- I wanted that. And they're like, it's so good, we can reuse it. And you're like, but I want to stick it in a book. It's true. And I suppose that gets back to the, you know, Tony Wheeler comment, you know, why don't you put it on this sort of virtual page with virtual, you know, pixel letters. That to hell with it. That the tactile is really important. It kind of makes things feel real. It makes it is. It's the joy of the tangible, and yeah, the words worth aesthetic as well. You yeah. um you are a sort of pretty prolific tweeter though. Big on the tweets. Is that not your electronic online? It journal? is, and uh, you know I was a long time uh, cynic or resistor of uh, Twitter. And then probably about seven years ago, a mate said, "No, it is. It's going to be your jam. I know it." Mm. And um, yeah, he was he was prescient. It was. Um, I love it because it is verbal primarily. It's been a great way of connecting with fellow, um, you know, word uh, nerds. Yeah, verbivores. <laughs> yeah, verbivores. <laughs> and complete, you know, wisecrack uh, specialists too. But a great linguistic community community out there. And breaking news is just uh, brilliant. But I think my tweet 
ratio has uh, dropped down in the last couple of years because, you know, when when I tweet, I want it to, you know, be jelly night. I don't just, just to reverberate around the Twitter yeah, sphere. Yeah, I just don't want it to be, you know. Oh man, hey, DA's dropping heat. <laughs> Get there. <laughs> I Whoa. want that. That's what I want. How yeah. does he think of these anagrams? <laughs> retweet, retweet. Could you just retweet it as soon as you see my uh, byline? Just retweet it because you know it's going to be gold. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you can you show me some of the? Um, you showed me before the. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of stream of consciousness from that one. Can you give me some other examples yeah, well, okay. of what's going trying, on inside these things? Uh, I mean, more recently, um, a writer that has probably given me more vocab than any other writer is Cormac McCarthy because his, mm-hmm. his um, lexicon is just in, in another another ballpark. But before then, it was Anthony Burgess, who's the guy that created Clockwork Orange. And this is a really good example of... When's this? Um, this is from 1984, so when I was sort of travelling through Italy... I read a book of his called Earthly Powers. That's what I'm talking about, Dan. It is a complete... It looks like the Rosetta Stone. It is. It's just a chunk. Ah, it is insane. Wow. I mean, what Dan is looking at, people, is like... It's like a solid page of text, yeah. There is no breathing space. Yeah, it's almost... I mean, I couldn't write like that. I'd get um, almost claustrophobia. (laughs) I don't write like that anymore either. (laughs) You just like... Could you not afford notebooks back then? It looks like something someone would write in an internment camp or something. You know, this comes from the um, way back when I was backpacking. <clears throat> Sorry. And um, I was almost tempted reading a book like Earthly Powers to rip out each chapter as I'd finished it because my backpack was so loaded um, that I wanted to reduce yeah. weight. Yeah, yeah. So yes, you're lugging your, you know, your hump onto U-rail, you know, sort of trains. You're thinking if I can be under 20 kilos just uh, in terms of the weight, then you know I'm going to be a lot more nimble. This is when you're in early 20s. Yeah, it? no, I know. Uh, so, and you won't have to pay extra baggage. Same goes. The more paragraphs I do, the more weight I'm going to have to carry, man, because that means I'm going to have to carry through two or three journals by the end of this trip. Wow, so you literally were trying to cram it. <laughs> so that is, and that's just frugality right there. And look at that. <laughs> That is just a vocab list. There are kind of 40 words from one novel telling my younger self what cirrhotic meant, what expunge meant. And I look at some of these words and think, you're kidding me. You didn't know what uh, what Newman went or what Costive was? And I was <laughs> I, but I love that because that's just one example. Yeah. Another example that I've got is, um, oh, that's, you know, I mentioned that uh, when the kids came along I've got yeah. uh, all the quotes so I can show you what that looks like there you go that's uh, the quotes from the two kids wow and that's just a page that was a um, like a it ended up being just a catch all for any time they just made some gorgeous utterance and, um, and that is then, so great it's, just every notable quotable every like random thing that's brilliant because it's you know, like it is really just for me the most. There's your ticket to the thing. footy show, Tiki Foot. Yes, in fact, I did a whole thing about warm-up artists. So that's when I was doing um, feature writing for Sunday Life magazine. So I see that that whole day comes back. It's true, isn't it? You instantly remember. Uh, There's your Met, Met card. card. You know what that was? They don't even exist anymore. I'm telling you now. I can tell you why I kept that Met card. What you didn't notice is there's a blood stain on it. That same young man that we've been talking about, who's now a, a copywriter and, and ad creative, yeah, he um, he his mate it was his uh, seventh birthday, I think, and his mate lost his tooth when we went to the museum, 
So I used that Met card to sop the blood of um, your son's um, mate's socket. Socket. Yeah. Wow. So that's why that Met card is there. Yeah. So that's there. You go. You see, it's instantly right there. I'll show you. Ah. I've brought along Good some because you. you know I said I have travel ones. Hey, there, Hanson. That's it. I've got journal in me. That's a beautiful. Yeah. Well, this one's a. I think it's a moleskin. Mm-hmm. But this one's even better. It's a. I don't even know how to pronounce it, but it's like. Luchtrum. Oh yeah. Okay. I don't know. Luchtrum. I don't know. Yeah. But they're they're the good ones. I'll get. So this one is USA, and as you can see, similar thing, right? So like you know, yeah. bars, St Patrick's Cathedral, um, tickets. Yeah, great. See if the the restaurant has a business card, I grab it. If it's got a little postcard, I grab it. Comedy cellar, sandwich place. Just got a sandwich. This is 11 Madison Park. They give you a little quiz where you have to match the chocolate to the um, milk of the animal. And then like my favorite ones, if I can find it. We're kindred spirits. That's actually, I'm finding this really, it's really affirming for me because I sometimes think I'm a, you know, a, a, a kind of in a club of one. Oh yeah. I mean, it's also like I've had friends who I've been on holiday with and they've mm-hmm. seen me doing this, like staying up that extra hour just to get mm-hmm. it all in. Um, and they're like, what are you doing there, man? What's going on there? You're on holiday. Why are you doing homework? That's Star Wars. Remember the yeah. they re-released... Um, Back when it was 14 bucks to get in. Oh, it was US. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find if there's something... So are you, just, are you saying that you only do it when you travel? Well, so I only do this level when I travel, right? Yeah. And I don't know why. I think it's, again, you talk about like when you're a kid. Like I remember when I was as a Paramount Studio tour. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, I remember when with your I, name on it too. Yeah, no, yeah, it's good service. Yeah, when I um, was young, my mum would always be. We'd go on like family trips to France because we got a lot of family there, and mum would be like, "Okay, let's you know, write down all these places." And it's true. I remember specific. I even remember how I misspelt the names of places because <laughs> obviously they're all French words. Like, how do you spell Goujon Mestras? You know. But I'd be like trying to write it down in my diary. My, my, meanwhile, my dad would be like, that's not how you bloody spell it. And my mum would be like, just write it down. <laughs> um, this one's one recently. This one was Kerala in India. Uh-huh. Had a bit of fun uh, doing a little front page for that one. Oh, you did too. Gosh, <laughs> that looks like a school project. <laughs> it is. It's just, it's just like a school project. And the other one I do is if I go to museums, I map them all out like that. I do the same thing. Yeah? I... If I do a walk or go to a, you know some kind of um, institution where you kind of traipse around for a couple of hours, I put down either with a map yeah. or I kind of brain map it and just lay it all out like a kind of, uh, you know, like song lines. Yeah. I just put it out in kind of rough schematic form and then put little arrows and dots mm. all through those uh, shapes about what was in what corner, what caught my eye, what made me laugh, what, what hurt the heart. This is the, the worst enemy of the diarist mm-hmm. is the fading receipt. Uh, Look at that. It's just a blank piece of paper now. But there's something poetic in that almost, isn't there? there I, I think worse than that is, the, um, is if kind of moisture gets in and oh, suddenly the whole day bleeds. Touch wood. <laughs> yeah. uh, look, I'm in dread of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, moisture the enemy. Hey, this is great. Remember when, um, so you had all the Indian women lining up along the road? Mm-hmm. So we drove past that. That was at the start of the year or the end of last year. 
So we were driving past that going from place A to place B. And so I got the newspaper the next day, cut it out, stuck it in. I'm a chronic purchaser of newspapers wherever I go uh, for that very reason. Yeah. I love the fact that you were there when news happened. That's a significant yeah, moment. Yeah, exactly. And you brushed up against it. And in the same way, our lives brush up against kind of moments, big moments in in history, kind of every working week. So a diary kind of helps commemorate that coincidence. I saw something very cool online and um, mm-hmm. was I was all, I've been jealous. Mm-hmm. Is um, someone who goes to like auction houses and antique stores and stuff and just buys random diaries. And like, for example, he might have one from 1939 of a teenager just saying like, weird news in the in the papers today, but I'm sure nothing will come of it just before the war. Mm. Um, and I think that, I mean, I look at that and I'm like, oh, that's a good collection. Just anything. Whenever you go to an antique shop, it's like, oh yeah, there's this diary, but it's written in. Great, I'll take it. There's a mate of mine who's a history lecturer who has been collecting letters and particularly letters uh, from women during uh, both uh, World War One and World War Two, and it just gives you this um, extraordinary insight into anxieties and resilience and, you know, and also the day-to-day um, kind of minor details. Uh, you know, like nothing else. Everything mm. else seems to be so grandiose in its scale that we forget that humans get enmeshed in these big events, um, which is kind of gets back to that, um, you know, one of the credos behind journal keeping. I just There's one other thing that um, occurred to me as we've been chatting, particularly seeing your travel diaries, um, which I, I completely relate to, and it was quite beautiful and eerie seeing that you've got a kind of matching habit. And that is one of the reasons that I do love traveling and I love, um, I love living is for the gerund. The gerund is that idea of, it's kind of the doing words of English. It's, you know, we are talking, we are drinking, uh, we are watching, whatever, whatever the gerund is. And I like the fact that, you, that a diary actually captures the gerund, captures the doing, and the day is the setting. Mm. So you, you can be juggling in Cairo or you can be uh, um, buying a dog in Preston. And it's all about the gerund. It's mm. like the setting is what you've wandered into. And so what's the action? And the diary is both, captures both, the action yeah. and, the, um, um, and the habitat. Yeah, it's like happening in the moment. Yeah, and yeah. I... I Hence, you do write it in, uh, always write it in um, present tense. Mm. You never write it in past. It's the, and you try and capture those indecisions and, uh, um, you know, elations and um, crushing disappointments in the moment as you, as you write it. Well, about um, as some parting words, it's a common, like even when I uh, was talking to someone about how I was going to interview you about, you know, keeping journals mm-hmm. and stuff, and they were like, oh, yeah, I've tried to do that. Yeah, remember on school holidays when you'd be like, I'm, I got a diary for Christmas. I'm going to start now, January 1. Can't wait, blah, blah, blah. What would you say? I actually, I got my brother one, which was, uh, say you had like January 1 on one page, mm-hmm. January 2 on the next one. It'd have five slots. Mm-hmm. So you could do it five years in a row. And I was like, bro, you've got to do this. You know, like you got little kids. You can record everything, you know, all this stuff, right? But like, 
I mean, I don't know if he stuck to it or not. <laughs> but people always get these diaries. They have these great intentions. They're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fill this out. I don't know. What, what words of encouragement could you give them? Uh, I'd say there's literature, which is capturing the moment, capturing your nowness. And then there's obliterature, which is basically one great sweep of space that we all end up in. Uh, there's no afterlife. There's only this life and this is kind of giving your own brief time on this uh, planet some kind of footprint for others to look at like suns, like uh, <laughs> random purchases in stores and saying... The people well, attending the hey, David Astor wing of the Smithsonian. Someone yep. put their head on this pillow. Yeah. Um, and it also it's great for um mental health surprisingly powerful for mental health it yeah. just gets a whole lot of uh just um grit knit flotsam and jetsam gets it out of your headspace and you find this um sanctuary away from anxiety or i find i, I write down something and i go you know, once you push through about two more sentences suddenly you go hang on that's what i need to do that's why that's blah 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 it's almost like a Kind of like a free therapy session. <laughs> it is. You can overhear yourself. And also at times you, you get out of, your own, out of your own way and you kind of can start to see something for what it was without you continually having to filter it or footnote it. Well, I can't wait to see the, the diary entry about today. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to get a card from you. You got a card there, Dan? <laughs> Not much <laughs> happened between midday and three. <laughs> what? What? Not much. <laughs> oh, thanks for your time. No worries, man. Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBooth is pretty much made entirely by me, Dan DeBooth, except for the music, which is by Caleb Garfinkel, and the artwork, which is by David Ferrier and Joe Kutri. <laughs>